Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll begin reading with verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. To get an idea of what the Thessalonians were thinking, basically, they were saying uh, these words. Now, you won't find this in a verse, but this is basically what they were saying. Uncle Jed died. Uncle Jed was a Christian. We thought Jesus would come back before anybody died. We believe we'll go with Jesus when he does return. But what about Uncle Jed? What's going to happen to Uncle Jed? And Paul's response to that question in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, is something that strikes at the heart of who you and I really are. Do you ever wonder what happens to a person immediately after they die? What happens to a person? There is a myriad of opinions about what happens to a person when they die. Paul's going to deal with the subject of what happens to a Christian when she dies. Let me put it a little more uh, pointedly, though, to all of us. We're going to answer the question, what happens to a Christian when he or she dies? What's going to happen to you when you die? You will die one day. What will happen to you when you die. Now look with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to see Paul answering this question. What about Uncle Jed? What happens to a Christian when he dies? Verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. That is, we're not going to go without them. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What happens when a Christian dies? There is a growing debate. I'm sure that many of you have have followed along this debate as, as different people write about it along and along. What happens when a person dies? Or as Paul more narrowly focused on it, what happens when a Christian dies? The uh, theoretical physis, uh, physicist Stephen Hawking, you've probably seen him. He has Lou Gehrig's disease so that 
that now the only way he can communicate is, is by certain motions from his eyes into a computer sensor, and a computer then translates the, the, the minute motions of his eyes into words, and he even still gives his lectures at Oxford University in England through the use of moving his eyes. That's the only thing he can move. He says that the afterlife, heaven, hell, or what have you, is a myth, a fairy tale. Stephen Hawking. He represents the view of, for example, atheists who do not believe that there is a God and therefore do not believe that there is an afterlife. They believe that when a person dies, they simply cease to exist. No afterlife, no eternal soul that continues in eternity. All there is to look forward to is our inevitable death. And with that mindset, people who do not believe in God and do not believe in an afterlife have to derive some kind of meaning from this life with the back burner thought that's always on the top of the stove that they're going to die and in their opinion that's going to be all there will be. People who are involved in Eastern and New Age religions, they hold to what's known as a pantheistic view of the afterlife that in which one, when they die, they go through, according to them, endless cycles of reincarnation until the cycle is broken and that person becomes one with the divine. And what form a person becomes in the next life depends upon the quality of life he or she lived in this life. And when, when one unites with the divine, he ceases to exist as an individual but becomes part of a divine life force. There's a really good Greek word for that. It's the word Hug a wash. <laughs> there are those who hold to what's known as an animistic or tribal religion view, which says that after death, the human soul remains on the earth and travels to join the departed spirits of ancestors in the underworld, also called the realm of the shadows. And for eternity, they wander in darkness, they say, experiencing neither joy nor sorrow. And some of these spirits of the deceased may be called upon to aid or torment those human beings who are still alive and walking on the earth. I refer back to the previously forementioned Greek word. Islam teaches that at the end of history, God will judge the works of all human beings and those who've done good deeds that outweigh their bad deeds will enter into paradise. The rest will be consigned to hell, according to the Quran. The Quran also teaches that in paradise, men will be drinking wine and entertained by heavenly maidens and that they may take several of these maidens to be their wives, up to as many as 70 So there is, a, and that's just a, a small, small, small sample of what different people believe about the afterlife. On top of that, there's been just a slew of books over the past several years about heaven and the afterlife. The Five People You Will Meet in Heaven comes to mind as one of the books. Another book, some of you have read these, 23 Minutes in Hell. Another book written by a Baptist pastor, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Another book written by uh, a father who's a pastor detailing the, uh, uh, apparently the experiences of his young boy. Heaven is for real, the boy who came back from heaven. 
And every one of these books that I mentioned, and we could mention several more, they were on the New York Times bestseller list for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. In some cases, over 180 straight weeks, they were on the New York Times bestseller list. Now, the fact that these books are on the New York Times bestseller list tells you that the idea of what happens to a person after they die is of great interest to everybody. I've often said, I was talking with someone one day and they were uh, talking about death and the afterlife and they asked me what I thought about it and among the, the many things I said, I said, I'll tell you this, I said, I'd love to know what the dead know. I would, I'd love to know what the dead know. The Bible tells us a little bit about it, but I'd love to interview somebody. I mean, just point blank interview somebody and ask them, you know, what's going on where you are now? Paul addresses this question in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, but he doesn't focus upon what happens when a person dies. He he focuses uh, strictly upon what happens when a Christian dies. And so that's the focus that we'll stick with here. But before we get into Paul's answers, I need to give you a little bit of context about what Paul was having to deal with. In Thessalonica, Paul spent three weeks establishing a church, and then he was run out of town. During that three weeks, he tried to pack into them as much doctrine and as much uh, good news gospel teaching as he possibly could. One of the things that he taught them about was what happens when a Christian dies. But he didn't evidently have time to finish the teaching before he was run out of town. And so they developed part of what what he taught about uh, the afterlife, but they didn't get all of it. One of the things that they believed was that that Jesus was going to return to the earth. That is a, a very basic Christian teaching that sometime in the future the Lord will return. But Paul also taught them, he said, you need to expect the Lord to return at any time. Now, the New Testament is pretty clear on that. The Lord's coming back. We don't know when it's going to be. Therefore, expect it at any moment. The Thessalonians took Paul at his word and said, actually, they took him a little bit further than his word. And they said, not only is the Lord, are we expecting him to come back at any time, but we believe he's going to come back before any of us in the Thessalonian church die. Some of them were so sure that the Lord was going to come back in just a few days that they gave up their jobs. Why work if he's coming back in a few days? I don't need my retirement. They just went out and bought a car with it. But who needs a car? So they trashed it. Got up on a mountain waiting for the Lord to come back. Had a picnic up there. Well, I don't really know what they did, but I do know that some of them gave up their jobs. And then folks started dying. Not a whole bunch of people, but a person in the church here died and a person there died. And let's just say, let me, let me, I don't know what their names were, but let me just give a name to one of the church members at Thessalonica who died. Let's call him, here we go, Uncle Jed. Uncle Jed was a Christian. He gave his life to Christ after hearing Paul in a crusade during that three-week revival at Thessalonica. And he went forward and he invited Christ into his life. He knew he was a sinner. He knew that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. And he knew that Jesus was, had been resurrected and was alive 
and seated at the right hand of God. And he had, he, he'd come to invite Christ into his life to give him eternal life. Uncle Jed was a Christian. And like everybody else, Uncle Jed believed that the Lord was coming back and he was coming back while Uncle Jed was still alive. And then Uncle Jed died. Now, Paul had to leave town before he could give them any instructions on what happens to a person like Uncle Jed. And so the the Thessalonians were concerned. They had a question. They said, look, Paul, we thought the Lord was coming back before any of us died, but now some of us have died, uh, in particular, Uncle Jed. And we still believe the Lord's coming back before we die, and we know we're going to be with him. What we don't know is, what about Uncle Jed? But what about Uncle Jed? And so in answer to their concerns about Uncle Jed, because they didn't want to go off and leave him, Uncle Jed had children and grandchildren in the church at Thessalonica. We don't want to leave Uncle Jed. We want to go to heaven, but we don't want to leave Uncle Jed. We don't know what to do here. And so Paul gives them a number of answers to their question, but I'm going to give you four in particular things that he says, four facts about the afterlife and about the second coming and about what happens to to Christians when they die. The first thing that Paul's going to say to us is this, believers who die are alive and well. Just be comforted in that right there so far. Believers who die, people who have a relationship with Christ, those who die are alive and well. Now, how do we know that? Well, let's look first of all at verse 14 in this chapter. Paul says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Okay, that's great. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, now he's talking about the second coming, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, there's a lot of controversy over Paul's, the way Paul describes death here. He describes it as falling asleep. Because of that, some people believe that when a Christian dies, he or she goes into what they call a soul sleep, where they just sleep in the grave until the coming of the Lord, and that people don't really go to heaven when they die, but at a later time. They call it soul sleep. Christians who are in the Seventh-day Adventist church believe in soul sleep. But that's not what uh, folks in our tradition, our Christian tradition, believe at all. We believe that those who die, who have been saved and they die, they go, their souls go immediately to be with the Lord. They are alive and well. And verse 14 tells us that when God, uh, when, when Jesus comes back, he will bring with him those who have died in the Lord, those who have died in Christ. How can he bring them back if they are asleep in the grave? He can only bring them back if they have gone to him and he brings them with him. Otherwise, it's not possible for him to bring them with him. So a person who is saved, who has invited Christ into his or her life, when they die, they are alive and well. Now, this is affirmed in some other scriptures as well. Let me point out a few. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus is on the cross. He's in the process of being crucified. He's in the middle on either side of him. There are two thieves who are also being crucified at the same time. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. 
Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's Jesus' answer, verse 43. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, a person who believes in soul sleep has to wrestle with that verse. And they don't really have a good answer for that verse. Jesus said to this guy, today, not uh, after you take a long uh, multi-thousand year uh, nap, you'll be with me. He says, today you will be with me. So that tells us that people who die in the Lord are alive and well. Hebrews chapter 12 starts out with these two verses. Hebrews chapter 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, think about that. Therefore, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who who is this crowd of witnesses? Who are these witnesses? Well, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you back up to the previous chapter, which is Hebrews chapter 11, that is... The, the hall of fame of faith, it lists all the way back from uh, Abraham to Enoch to uh, Moses to Sarah to Isaac, all the way down. Hebrews chapter 11 lists the heroes of the Judeo-Christian faith. And when Hebrews chapter 11, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, seeing we are compassed about, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, The cloud of witnesses the author is referring to is that list of witnesses and heroes that he highlights and itemizes in chapter 11. Now, if those folks who are dead and gone are still able to witness what we do, they can't be asleep in the grave. They are alive in the balcony of heaven. And among the other things that they are able to do, they are able evidently to view some of the things that are occurring here on earth. My point is this. If they are witnessing what we do, then they are alive and well. Believers who die in the Lord are alive and well. In Revelation chapter 7, you have another case of believers who've died and, and immediately gone to heaven. Verse chapter, uh, Revelation 7, beginning with verse 9, John says, After this I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. And John asks who these people are. And an angel told him, he says, Sir, these are they who have come out of a great tribulation, a great trial, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is symbolic language for Christians who have died. They're in heaven. They are very much alive, even though the Lord has not come back yet. So, back to this first point. Believers who die, people who are saved and who die, are alive and well. Now, the second thing Paul's going to tell us is this. When a Christian dies, that person's spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. Uh, When the kids were up here, I, I took a glove. You saw it. That glove representing our human body. 
and my hand representing our soul. The, the glove is nothing without the, without the hand in it. Our human body is absolutely nothing but a shell, a fleshly shell, uh, without the soul working within that body. When the soul leaves your body, you will be graveyard dead. But as long as the soul is in you, you will be alive. You will remain alive. But the moment a Christian dies, the body, this fleshly body is laid down, either cremated or laid in the grave or whatever people decide to do with it. But the soul immediately goes up to be with the Lord. How do we know this? Again, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in this body, this glove, we are away from the Lord. But we live by faith, not by sight, and we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from this body, that is this glove, and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So what happens when we breathe our last breath in, in, on earth, our next breath, the breath of our soul, is taken in the presence of the Lord in heaven. So the moment a Christian dies, her body is, is left the shell of it, and the soul leaves and goes up to be with the Lord, to be in heaven. That's the second point that Paul makes. The third fact about what happens when a person dies is this. The immaterial spirit, that spirit that went up to be with the Lord when the person died, and that physical body that was laid in the ground will be reunited when the Lord returns. Will be reunited when the Lord returns. Now, Let's look at verse 14 again of 1 Thessalonians 4. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. And then verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now we have two seemingly contradictory things right here in the same passage of Scripture. One is that Jesus, when he comes back, will bring with him those Christians who've died and gone to heaven. That's one thing. But the other thing is, he says that when the Lord comes back with those who have died and gone to heaven, the dead in Christ, that is, those, again, those who were saved but died, the dead will also raise up from their graves. Well, which is it? Are they in the ground or are they up in heaven? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Our spirit, our soul goes up to heaven and the body is laid in the ground or it is cremated or whatever, what have you. And when the Lord comes back, and I don't know how this is going to happen, but, but keep in mind with God, all things are possible. When the Lord comes back, he will bring the souls of those who have died and gone to heaven. And, and when, when they approach earth, the Bible teaches us that these bodies wherever they might be, will be resurrected, changed from what they were, which is, which is corruptible, to totally incorruptible, and the body and soul, a brand new body, will be reunited with that soul. When the Lord comes back, and then he says, we will forever then be with the Lord. So there will come a time when the Lord will return, and when he, when he returns, 
the souls of Christians who've gone on to be with him will be reunited with the raised up and turned into brand new bodies, physical bodies, of those who have died. Now, what that means right now is that the people who are in heaven are only there in a spirit form. They're not in their completed form. But they're still enjoying all the benefits of heaven. Every one of the benefits of heaven that can possibly be enjoyed, they are enjoying them. But there will come a time when, when the, soul, the soul that is immaterial meets with the, 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 the remade, renovated, totally updated new body that's incorruptible. They'll rejoin, they'll reunite, and they'll go to heaven to be with him forever. And then the final fact that Paul mentions is this. Believers who die are with the Lord forever. I love the last part of verse 17. It says this, And so we will be with the Lord forever. The person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ... And who dies is with the Lord and will be with the Lord forever. No end, no death, no sadness, no separation, no goodbyes, no so long. The Webster's Dictionary in heaven does not have the word goodbye in it. The phrase so long, not in it. The word death, not in it. The words, the end, not in it. But that's only for those who know the Lord. So if you've lived any length of time at all, you've lived long enough to experience someone you know dying. It's really appropriate that we deal with this today. Edith Powell buried her brother in Alabama the day before yesterday. She said he was the one who was always telling the jokes at the family Thanksgiving get-togethers, and she buried him the day before yesterday. I called Jane Smith last night about 6.30. She answered the phone, their cell phone. I said, Jane, this is Jimmy Orr. She said, hey... I said, stupid question, how are you doing? And she choked, she said, I just lost my son. I just lost my son. Is Roger that yeah, but he can't talk? Can't talk. Adam Shelton, young man who joined our church just a few months ago. He's in Afghanistan. His grandfather, whom he adored, passed away before sunup on Thanksgiving Day. Now you want to tell me the good you want me to tell you the good news? Roger and Jane Smith have no worries about where Chuck went. 
where Chuck is. Edith Powell, she knows where her brother is. He's telling jokes in a whole lot better place. The laughter is much better where he is now. Adam Shelton, I'll see Grandpa again. What happens when a person dies? A person who is saved. Let me come back to this. Let me come back and make this question more pointed. What's going to happen to you? Do you know that you have Jesus Christ living in your heart? Do you know? Because whether or not you have him living in your heart will determine what's going to happen to you when you die. Paul ends this chapter with an instruction. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, encourage one another with with these words. You see, these words were meant to give the Thessalonians hope. Don't worry about Uncle Jed. He's great. He's better than he's ever, ever been. What about you? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for heaven. There's a lot we don't understand about it. But then again, there is more that we do not understand about you than what we do understand. Because you are a limitless God and we are limited and severely so. So it only is logical that there's more about you we don't understand, more about heaven that we don't understand than what we do. But Lord, what we do understand is found in your word. You tell us that death is not a period at the end of a story. It's like a comma in the middle of this never-ending novel. And what comes after that comma is far, far better than what comes before it. For those who know you. So Lord I pray. That these words of Paul's will give comfort to us. All of us who have experienced the loss of a grandmother. A Rosalie. A a grandpa Shelton. a, A son named Chuck. And a brother. Who is the life of the party. But Lord, I also pray for those who are in this, in this building today who do not know you, have not invited you into their heart to be their Savior. Lord, I pray that before this service is over, angels will be rejoicing over the addition of another soul. That's my prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.